really quick, are there any people in the building? This is your first time here at 5417 North 103rd Street. Can I see you lift your hand? We ain't going to do nothing weird. I see you, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? I see you. 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 Uh, now, really quick, I see you. Now, what you're about to see is not going to be as weird as what you watched on HBO last night. I promise. And I know that your baby mama, your baby daddy, your ex, your, your best friend, whoever that person is that invited you, they trust that we are going to do what we need to in the next 45 minutes to push you towards the cross. But this is the thing. It's going to get a little weird. It might get a little bit, a little smelly. But I promise you it's going to be worth it. Because in order for us to really celebrate in what God did today, we're going to have to actually understand the word worship. So welcome to Ambassadors Worship Center, where we are starting week one of a sermon series that we are calling Altars. Yeah. Last year, the worship series was called Heart Postured. And I don't know why, but now this word is like, it's on my back. Like people are like, hey, you're the heart posture preacher. And I'm like, no, my name is Joshua, and I happen to be a preacher. But the reason why we take this time out to teach on worship is because if we don't talk about worship, you're going to become really frustrated when you get to heaven. Because once you get to heaven, like, you don't get a job once you get to heaven. Like, like there are no Holy Ghost toilet sweepers. Like, God doesn't need somebody to, like, iron the clothes of, like, the Holy Ghost choir. Like, look at your neighbor and say, there are no jobs in heaven. So that means the only thing that you're going to do when you get there is worship. But if we think that worship is what we just did for the past 25 minutes, we'll miss the mark. So today, I'd like to make it very, very plain and simple that the first, person, the first person to ever worship God was actually Jesus. So, so is that okay if we make this thing super plain? Is that all right? Let's jump right in. Worship isn't something that you do in a certain key, time signature, or genre. I want you to write this point down. Number one is that worship is a privilege, not a right. What did I say? Worship is a? Not a. Worship is a? Not a? Worship is a, not a. The reason why we have to understand this is because when Adam and Eve, we all know the story of Adam and Eve, right? They were in the Garden of Eden. They had a relationship with God. God created them for the sole purpose of worshiping him through managing the garden, amen? Adam got purpose. Then after he figured out his purpose, God looked at Adam and said, what? It's not good for man to be, for him not to be, being alone doesn't mean you're lonely. You are all one. Look at your neighbor and say, you are bad by yourself. The last couple of sermons, we mentioned this, that the only reason why you should get married is if it pushes you closer to purpose, right? You don't just marry somebody because you love them. God didn't just give Adam Eve because he loved her. He gave Adam Eve because she pushed him closer to what God called him to do. That's another sermon for another sermon series. In November, we're going to get back into family series. It's going to be a lot of fun. But the problem is, is that when Eve gave Adam the fruit, what happened? He took a big old bite out of that thing. Once that happened, it wasn't the fruit that was sinful. It was Adam's heart that was jacked up. The minute that Adam eats the fruit, the connection that Adam and Eve had with God is now severed. Now, for the last 2,000 years, we have been trying as mankind to try to figure out how do we get back into the good graces of God so that we're in his presence. But the problem with today's like today is that we will hear sermons that make you believe that worshiping God is a right that you have. And it's not. When Adam lost, when, I'm sorry, when Adam sinned, we lost the right to be in his presence. Does that make sense? And I'm going to get to a point, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to get to point number two where I explain why that is. So let, let's break down the difference between a privilege and a right. A right is a moral entitlement, somebody say entitlement, to have or obtain something or to act in a certain way. Right now, our world is in turmoil because we're trying to figure out whose rights matter with who and other people's rights don't matter with others. And we have taken what is supposed to be one race, which is the human race, and we've created subcultures. But the problem is, is that once you create subcultures, some rules apply to white people that don't apply to black people, that don't apply to brown people, that don't apply to people that are unborn. And the problem is, is that if we all have rights, none of us do. Because at some point in time, what's important to you will step on the toes of what's important to me. So from the beginning of time, as man, we have been looking for something to rule over us. Ever since we've fallen out of grace with God, we have tried to place something over us that could tell us what to do. Some of it's government, education, medicine, entertainment, 
Think about it. If I play this right type of music, I can make you move how I want you to move. Why? Because the music is ruling over you. I can make you forget about all the social injustice that happened in the summer if I give you the NBA again. Oh, I'm sorry for those of you that are new. My name is Joshua. I'm the lead pastor of Ambassadors Worship Center, and we teach the kingdom of God, which is the gospel, which is the truth. So if I know how I can control you, I can put anything over you and make you call it your God. Look at your neighbor and say, a privilege. If we don't understand this as a privilege, we will try to pimp God out for something that he did for us by the goodness of his heart. So a right is something where you say, I'm entitled to this. I deserve God's mercy. No. I need his, I, I get his grace. No, no, no. There, there's a price that was paid for you to receive that. So the difference between right is a privilege. A privilege is a special right. A special right, advantage, or immunity that is granted or available only to a particular person or a group. Now, let me really quick put this here. Today, we can think that worship is substituting God with the universe. Or that we can replace God with the stars. By the way, you do know that some of the stars that you see out there actually were like done like millions of years ago. Like you do know what light years means? That means how many years does it take for the light to get to earth? So some of those stars that were like, yeah, that's star X, Y, and Z doesn't even exist anymore. It's just taking that long for the light to get here. So my question to you is would you rather worship something that you're not even sure if it exists? Or would you rather go through the necessary steps to give your heart to the person that created them? The word of God is very, very simple. It says that God loves you more than anything else that he's ever created. But we will love other things more than the creator. And then question why God isn't good in our lives. But in order to get the rights of God, we have to see him, somebody say correctly. Once Adam and Eve fell in the garden, our right to be in God's presence was forfeited. Worship defined, I want you to write this down because we are going to redefine what worship is. The reason why we have to redefine what worship is, is because we will think that it's our favorite Hillsong, Maverick City, or, or John P. Key song. But all of those are songs. They're not worship. Worship is the posture of your heart when you are communicating with God. Which means that your heart, you don't, don't you have heart posture when you wash your dishes? Don't you have heart posture when you walk into the office? Don't you have heart posture as you're fathering your children, you're mothering your children, you're being a husband to your wife and vice versa? Therefore, write this down. Worship is everything you do. And I know that this is probably stepping on a couple of y'all's toes. Some of y'all might have been in the Sunshine Band or in YPWW, so you got to, maybe, any, any culture folk in the room? Uh-huh. You were part of the Easter program. Some of y'all are like, this isn't an Easter service. Why didn't the baby sing? The reason why we don't have an Easter service today is because people from our organization that gave their heart to the vision are serving your children this morning. Really quick, can we say thank you to every single person that gave their Resurrection Sunday to watch your snotty nose, mean, disrespect? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The lady back there is like, not my baby. Mm. Eh. Oh. Say it's a privilege. The reason why we have to understand worship correctly is because worship is the only gift that we have to give to God. Your tithe, you give to him because it's, somebody say. Okay, we've just talked about that for the last five weeks. The tithe is whose? The offering is whose? What, what, what about the first fruit? God expects that you follow the principle of giving me 10% of everything that you have. Then he also wants you to follow the principle of giving me what you want as far as your offering. Then first fruit if you want the rest. So look at your neighbor and say, all of it's his. The only thing that God cannot claim until you give it to him freely is your worship. That's the only thing that you can give to God. The only thing that matters to God in today's service is two parts. The worship that you give him and the people that will respond to this sermon today and getting reconnected with him. The sermon doesn't necessarily prick God's heart because look at your neighbor say, he wrote it. God wants to hear something that he didn't write. He wants to hear the heart song in your heart that he didn't have to compose. So this is what worship is. I want you to write this down because we're going to be talking about this for a long period of time. Because look at your neighbor and say, AWC is a house of worship. Write this down, please. Worship divine, defined is our love expressed to God in response to his love towards us. The reason why worship is so important is because there is a price for our privilege. 
The reason why you have to understand worship so much is because God is holy. Now, everybody's probably thinking, like, when are we going to talk about the death and the resurrection of Jesus? We can't talk about what Jesus died for until we realize why he died. Look at your neighbor and say, God is holy. Since God is holy, that means that once Adam and Eve fell out of grace, they were automatically made unholy. Since God is holy, anything that is not holy cannot be in or around him. So what that means is that when Adam and Eve left out of the garden, they automatically cut their severance to God. You and I are, somebody say, unholy. We're unholy, which means that our worship doesn't get to God because he's holy. Let, let me break down what holy means. Holy basically means to be, cut, to, be, uh, to be cut or set apart. We were created to worship God, but because of sin, it became very far away from him. These are the things I want you to write down. Being holy means that he is set apart, means that he is morally pure, and it means that he is unique. What did I say? It means that he is set apart, he is morally pure. He is unique. Come on, be a good class. One more time. He is set apart. He is, he is unique. Isaiah 57, 15 says, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one says this, I live in the, somebody say high and holy place. God is set apart, which means that he is transcendent. There is nobody higher than God. There is no other option other than God. There is no other opinion other than God. Look at your neighbor and say transcendent. You cannot bring God down to your level and try to explain to him why sin makes sense. He is transcendent. His ways are higher than ours. His ways are better than ours. God sits high and he looks, somebody say transcendent. That means that he's above us. He's better than us. He's set apart from us. And that's actually great because you can't rule somebody that you're in the same playing field with. So you need God to be better than you. you we need him to be smarter than us. We need him to be wiser than us. Why would we worship somebody that's just as smart as us? But we do it all the time. It's called your boss. For us young people, it's, it's your spouse. You waited so long to get married, and now you worship the person that God gave you. So we can put, oh, y'all got real quiet. You sitting next to your home, bro. Oh, no, don't leave. No, no, bro. And now we can begin to worship a thing that God gave us. That's what we call an idol, but tune in to week three. We're going to get into that in just a second. Somebody say morally pure. Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man. Somebody say, God is not a man. Say, not a man. God, say, not a man. Say, not a man. Say, not a man. God is not like you and I. He sent his son to take flesh and bone, but he did not be, he became human, but he wasn't human. He was all God and all man. God is not a man that he does not lie, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? So I might say morally pure. Morally pure means that he will never change. He's more stable than we are, and he cannot sin against or lie to anybody else. God doesn't think. Like, God, Chad, doesn't, like, walk around and be like, man, you know what I was thinking today? No, because he knows everything. God doesn't go like, man, that's crazy, Pastor. Like, you know what just, do like, no, he, does, he doesn't have aha moments. God is knowledge. He is morally pure. There is nothing that we can do to bend God in a way to make what we're doing okay with him. Look at your neighbor and say, he doesn't move. Next. Somebody say, God is unique. Exodus 3, 14. It says, and God said unto Moses, this is my favorite one. Somebody say, I am. No, no, no. Come on. Get your Mufasa voice right. All the men said, I am. Ooh. Your wife just said, oh, my God, he is. Say, I am. That I am. She's waiting for that second part, bro. Say, I am that I am. Somebody say, God is unique. The reason why God can say I am that I am is because God was not created. God has no origin story. He, he's not like a Marvel movie, and that's when he became evil. No, no, no. God doesn't exist. Somebody say he is. And since he is, that means that God is like no other person. So since God is set apart, he's away from us. And since he's morally pure, and since he's unique, that means that he demands worship. Is this making sense this morning? We're going to get to the cross, but the cross means nothing if we don't understand God. 
if Adam and Eve would have never fell, we would have never had a resurrection to worship. Okay, Jesus came to earth because we messed up. Just so you understand, like God didn't have it in his original plan for Jesus to come to earth. Look at your neighbor and say, we messed up. Okay, I just want to make sure, like, let's not make the resurrection and Easter this selfish thing where we wear our Easter colors and we take cool photos and we say, oh, my God, God died for me. No, no, no. You, you messed this thing up. We messed this thing up. It's our fault. So let's not get this thing twisted. Since God is morally pure, he's unique, and he's perfect, that means that he demands worship. Let's go to, this, let's go to our anchor scripture. This is going to be the scripture that we're going to be walking through. The reason why we are calling this sermon series Altars it's because in every single part of the Bible where God delivered people out of anything that they either put themselves in or that came over them, he demanded them to build an altar to, to, to set a memorial for what God did for them. But every time that he taught them, told them to build an altar, look at your neighbor, say he was specific. Let's go to the word. It says, using acacia wood, construct a square altar, seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, and four and a half feet wide, up high. Make horns for each of its four cons, uh, corners so that the horns and altar are all one piece. Overlay the altar. Let's jump to verse seven. Insert the poles through the rings on the two sides of the altar. The altar must be hollow, made from planks. Everybody read this part with me, please. Build it just as you were feeling it should be built. Well, okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm missing it. I have some dyslexic moments. Let's read it again, class. Build it just as you have the materials to build. So if you don't have acacia wood, you shouldn't build the altar. God is not interested in worship that's built out of the parts that he didn't give us to build it with. Does that make sense? Well, God, you know, I got, I got cedar wood. It's not acacia. Well, God, I only got six feet of wood. Then you shouldn't build the altar at all. Because we as man become so excited that when we get to build things and conquer things that we think it's in our own ability. The reason why worship exists is to communicate to you and remind you of how small you are. We should never feel big in our worship. We should never feel boastful or prideful in our worship. That's the reason why people like me, I think God has a little bit of a tood with us that can sing. Because we like the sound of our own voice more than we like who it's going to. There was a time in my life when I lost my voice for like a year. Like your boy couldn't even talk. Anybody remember that time? Every time it was, just like, it was terrible. And it got to the point where I went through like this mental trip out because I couldn't sing in worship. And my heart was broken because I realized that I was only as good as my voice was. That I had taken worship and put it in my voice. Look at your neighbor and say, it matters how your worship looks. Build it just as, somebody say just as, you were shown on the mountain. Exactly what I showed you on the mountain, that's what I want. Now, how many of you guys know that Christmas is coming up? Or how many of you guys, you know your birthday's coming up? What is it like when you tell somebody exactly what you want for your birthday and they get you the cheap knockoff? Mama, I want Jordans. The man should look like this. And your mama buy you some shoes of the same ones, but buddy looking like this. You're going to be a little bit frustrated. You're still going to love your mom, but now because of the gift that she gave you, you'll expect less. When we give God worship, that doesn't look, I pray the presence of God, I'm sorry. When we give God the present that he asks for, which is worship, which is a privilege. When we give him worship and it doesn't look like how we gave it, like how he asked for it, he gets to make the decision if he responds. Write this point down. God does not respond to everything. The reason why God told them to build altars is because they were unclean. Since you're unclean, and I know that you have to worship me, you have to give me, somebody say, a sacrifice. So at this point, Jesus made them build altars, and he would make them come and bring animals, kill the animal, put it on the altar, and set it on fire. Now, this is the way that you knew if God had received the sacrifice or not. How many of y'all know? The smoke would begin to build. 
if God accepted your offering, what happened? Smoke will go up. It's not necessarily, it's not written in scripture, but the theory is that when the smoke went up, it was as if God was going, ah, now that's what I want. That's not in the Bible. It's just a Joshua-ism. Now, if God didn't receive your offering, it just looked like you just smoked the place out. Like you were hotboxing, Holy Ghost hotbox, though. Like, don't, don't, don't play with me. Okay. We can have fun in church, okay? Like, if, just catch up with me. So sometimes in our church services, the room is really smoking. It's not a fog machine. Our worship hasn't been accepted. But the sound was immaculate. Y'all heard Joe today. I mean, that man was going crazy. But that's not worship. If your heart posture is wrong. Somebody say, build it how he told you. But the problem with man is that we'll all just work. We'll just build an altar out of anything. Write this point down. We're all worshiping at the altar of something. <laughs> You're worshiping something. You're, you were made to worship. Uh, did, did you hear what I just said? What I say, you were, if it's not God, you're worshiping. Somebody say something. You can't live without worshiping. There's a neighbor in our neighborhood, there's a person in our neighborhood right now. I promise you, he's polishing his red Chevy right now. Clockwork. I'll be watching him. It'd be cold outside, washing the Chevy, right? Now, I don't know you, bro. If you're watching this morning, please don't egg my house. I'm just using you as an example. You live too close to me, I'm a pastor, I'll be watching, you're going to end up in my sermon. But what if you gave your all to God as often as you checked Instagram? What if we worship God as much as we thought about the past relationship that didn't work out, but we're still so tied to it? This side of the room, it's always this side, like they, they be, they be, I'm going to talk to y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, we're all worshiping something. Worship is such a foundational part of our being that we unknowingly set up altars to things that have no power. The only person that has power once you worship it to give you, that's real power. And this is how you know when it's real power. When, it's, when it brings no sorrow and it only brings joy. So people say that money isn't powerful. Oh, it's powerful but it doesn't have the ability to bring you joy. People say it all the time. Like, money doesn't buy happiness. That's, I mean, you ain't never been on a trip, then. You ain't, you ain't never put your feet in sand that's 90 degrees. Like, you've never just, like, gone, like, ding, 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 and been, like, I want my crumpets and tea. Like, that's, you feel happy, not because of the money, but because God gave you the ability to get the money to go on the trip. Like, God always wants to make sure that you are reminded in everything that you do, none of those things have the power to save your life. But some of us are worshiping all types of different things, like addiction. And based off of this thing, we will worship. Hey, what's good, bro? All good. Hey, last week went crazy. It's nuts. That's my guy, Jeb. Don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? I hang out with him Friday through Saturday, and then I come get right so I can serve right on Sunday morning. You feel me? No big deal. Then I watch your kids with Hennessy in my mouth. But it's no big deal. I pop a couple minutes. Good to go. Oh, now you feel some type of way because we're talking about the children, y'all. But we worship this. And as long as there's an equal supply, pills, alcohol. But it's not always pills of alcohol. Some of us are addicted just being rude. Uh -huh. You see the people that are laughing the hardest? It's them. Ah so, some of us. Some of us are addicted to being prideful. Some of us are addicted to how what we have makes us look. Some of us are addicted to how, how big we think our life is, how small it makes other people feel. But if it's not your addiction, then it's your lifestyle. Some of us have set up an altar based off of the things that we can buy. And you only see me through the money that I have. So now, my entire life is built off of hustling to get the bag. 
but you can't throw it all out. Remember, this is your all. You, you got to keep some of it. Like, you, go ahead. This is mine now. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You good, sis. Go ahead. And now I worship God through my money, not with it. As long as I got money, I worship God. As, as long as I got my bread, oh, we, we balling out, baby. But look at your neighbor and say, paper is not acacia. You can't build an altar out of money. Because when you burn the altar, it's going to burn your money. We're still talking about worship. We're still, we haven't got, even got to the resurrection yet. Like, I just want to make sure, like Easter eggs, there's no such thing as an Easter bunny. I'm sorry for your children, but I cannot sit around and allow children to go Easter egg hunting when Jesus died for you. I'm sorry, you ruined their Easter. I'm glad. It's a pagan holiday anyway, but I'm, I'm going to get off your toes. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ain't no egg. Ain't no bunny rabbit. Somebody say Jesus. You can walk away if you want to. This church is going to be this way. You feel me? Sometimes we can set an altar with our time. You know that person. Their schedule is the most holy thing in their life. Always got to be somewhere. And now, excuse me, ma'am, just one for a second. They're watching. Like, like, and now she's living her entire life, rushing, trying to get from point to point, and she doesn't have time to worship God. These are the type of people that make pastoring very difficult. Because since you don't have to manage, you don't know how to manage your time, you want my time. And now, since you're frantic, oh, no, 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 stop playing. No, 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 you only have so much time. Stop trying to cheat. And now we're frantic. This is where the gospel of grinding comes from. This is where the gospel of, um, what's, what's his, uh, I think his, what's his name? What's his name? Um, what's his name? Oh, what's his, what's his name? Oh, uh, Apostle 50 Cent. I'm going to get rich or I'm going to die trying. He's an apostle. Don't, don't, don't care. Be going crazy. But now because we don't think we have enough time, church no longer becomes a priority. You cannot be whole in your Christianity and not go to church. The word of God says it four different times in the assembly of the righteous, in the assembly of the believers, in the assembly of Jesus Christ. It literally says where his, where his name abides, which is in the church, which means that bedside Baptist is not church. But I ain't coming for you. Some of y'all live in Las Vegas. But I would much rather you turn us off and pick up your hind parts and go serve a church that's down the street. We're not that hungry for people that when people leave and when they come, we feel some type of thing. But look at your neighbor and say, you got to go to church. We're still talking about the resurrection. For some of us, we make an altar out of our abilities. God has given all of us gifts. We teach that sermon all the time. You can do all these different things. But for some of us, our gift actually becomes what we covet. And now the gift that God gave you, when he comes back to get it in your offering, you'll push him away from the gift that he gave you. We're still talking about resurrection. We're still, because I just, I just want to make sure that we're together. So now your altar is your ability to sing, bro. So now you're only as good as what you can do. Once you can't do what you need to do, now you're useless. But this is the funny thing about gifts. They're gifts. Which means that they can always be taken back. So why not give it to him freely, then have it being stripped from, I'm preaching this morning. I, I only need five people. Where are they at? One, two, three, four, five. Cool. All right, bet. We, I'm talking to you. I see you, Miss Nikki. It's me and you. Somebody say altars. So now my addiction feeds my lifestyle. My lifestyle takes time out of what I do, and it's still going, don't cheat. And now my time now tries to feed my ability. But for some of us, we don't just worship time and all these other things, but we worship our relationships. Brunch is more important than going to church. Like, those pancakes are going to be there. Give me a second. Hey, bro, real quick. 
um, you got time, you're supposed to serve on two. Word? Do you remember where you were? Like, we got you right to even serve and play the bass, and now you don't got time. That was more important. Okay, cool. Hold on. You're supposed to be acting, bro. This feels too real. I don't like this. We're still talking about resurrection. Because there were some people that were too busy to see Jesus get crucified. Like, don't think that everybody showed up to watch him get killed. There were some people that were just thinking, Jesus, who? Eh, no big deal. Like, I got, I got, I got to make sure that I got my unleavened bread and my, like, we got to take communion. So we can take something that's supposed to be sanctified and turn it into a religious act that we no longer know why we're doing it. The people that he's talking to on the phone became attractive to him because of what the work God did in his life. The only reason why you're on the phone with those people is because he's not. But he, like, you were a whole addict before. Or you loved money. But now the people that are on the phone are free people. But then if your worship is jacked up, it's almost impossible to befriend holy people. And the world will make you think that since unholy people don't want to hang out with you, they think they're better than me. No. They just remember what brought you together. It was your worship. If the shoe fits tight this morning, keep it on. Because Joshua the man, not the pastor, Joshua the one that has to be a husband to that woman and be a, a son to those two and be a brother to her, still has to deal with all of these things. Every single one of them. But look at your neighbor and say, it's still not acacia. The Bible said to use acacia wood. If I use money, it'll burn up. If I use alcohol, it's definitely going to burn up. If I use time, I'm going to be dead. If I use my gift, I'm going to be useless. And if I burn up my relationships, I'll be lonely. A-L-T-A-R. Then we have the last one, which is an S. Because the worst altar that we can worship is self. It's the worst one. That's why nobody's there. Because you should envision yourself. Excuse me, sir. You should envision yourself here. You should envision yourself here. God, I appreciate what you did on the cross, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty important. And we will have religious martyrdom that our lifestyle is now too big and too tight to fit God in. People walked away from the church in these last two years. Not because they wanted to walk away. They had already walked away four years ago. The pandemic made it convenient. Oh, y'all don't like me? I'm the new lead pastor now. Ah like, you can't do nothing with me now. Somebody say, ah You want some ice cream and you can't have none. You want some? Nope. We think that we're better than God. We get a little bit of bread. We get something that's cute. We get to get another, enough money to go on vacations. And now the serve that actually gave God the anointing to give you the money, now you don't have time for it because now you got a position. If you stop worshiping God, he will stop responding to you. And I would much rather have nothing and know that God hears me than to have everything and he doesn't know the sound of my voice. Is there anybody else in the building? We're still talking about resurrection. Okay. For those of you that are new, like, man, what are you doing bringing me here, bro? Like, golly, man. Boy, ain't no way. Thank you. Please write this down. An altar is a place of physical sacrifice where you make an exchange for something of greater strength. An altar is a physical place where you make a sacrifice in exchange for something of greater strength. But the problem with sacrifices is that they're not all created equal. I want to make this very clear. Nobody else could have died for your sin except for Jesus. And it's not because he loved us that much. The Bible is very, very specific. It says, for God so loved mankind that he gave his only begotten son. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God needed worship so much that he was willing to look past your sin to send his son to die just so that he could get worship again. The death, sacrifice, and crucifixion and raising of Jesus wasn't for your sins only. It was a byproduct. God needed worship from you because you were the only thing that he created that he actually breathed his life into. God can only receive worship from himself. Therefore, animals don't go to heaven. I'm sorry, Rufus, your dog that died in 96, he's gone. You're not going to open up the pearly gates. No, he's not going to show up. All dogs go to heaven is a lie. Trees don't go to heaven. Souls go to heaven. So when Jesus died, he didn't die for your sins. He died for your sins, but like he's bigger than that. Why would God release himself to die for something that he knew we were going to make the decision to run with after he died? When Jesus died on the cross, it didn't save anybody. It gave us the option to be saved. And people are still making the option not to be saved. So God loved worship so much because he built the worlds to worship him. The kingdom is like this. God loved worship so much that he created a world of worship called the Entertainment Mountain. It's a world. God loved medicine so much that he made the medicinal mountain. Do you know that it's worship when somebody places a heart out of somebody and puts it in somebody else? That's worship to God. He created another world called family. That when you do right by your husband or wife, even though they're justified, I've only been married for two years, but I'm just telling you sometimes she's justified to throw me out. Ain't gonna cap. But when my wife makes the decision to love me in spite of what I've done, it's worship to him. So God, somebody say desire worship, desires worship. But the only place that God actually wants worship from is from you. And we deny God from the only life source that he needs from us every day. Let's go to the word, Exodus 13, 11 through 13. All sacrifices are what? Not created equal. Remember how I told you that last Sunday that I was going to sprinkle in parts from that last sermon into this one? Like this is it. This is what you must do when the Lord fulfills the promise he swore to you and to your ancestors. When he gives you the land where the Canaanites live, now live, what does he say? You must present what? All what? Firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord. I'm going to make sense of this in a second. For they belong to who? Him. Who is? God. Somebody say him is God. A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, some might say you must buy back every firstborn son. When Jesus is talking to Moses, he says, I just delivered you from slavery. Now that I've delivered you from slavery, you have to worship me. But since you're unholy and you're unclean, you have to give somebody, say, a sacrifice. Now, when they left out of Egypt, they had two different types of animals. They had donkeys, and then they had sheep. Somebody say, bad. Can y'all do the donkey sound? Don't do it. Don't embarrass yourself. Don't do that. Donkeys, lambs. But there's a difference between domesticated animals and undomesticated animals, Right? Jesus was, God was very specific when he came to sacrifices. He said, you're supposed to sacrifice, somebody say, clean animals. Donkeys aren't one of them. Donkeys are beasts of burden. Uh, Donkeys are, if you were to eat a donkey, you would be able to taste the stress in the meat. Like, how many of you guys like veal? The reason why the veal tastes so good and the reason why it almost tastes like jello is because that cow's legs never touch the ground. 
from the time that it's born to the time that they slaughter it, they're massaging it and giving up. Like, so the meat tastes like there's no stress. Lambs, on the other hand, are domesticated, which means that what they eat is monitored. The temperature around them is monitored. It means that their wool is shaved and it's cleaned. They're manicured. They're taken care of. Like, nothing happens to a lamb in their life where they're like, oh, my God, what's going on? Have you guys ever seen those fainting sheep? Doesn't make me so funny. They're like, but he goes, man, and he falls over. No, like their life is absolutely perfect. So where do sheep live? In a pasture. And they have a shepherd. But donkeys are wild animals. Talking about the resurrection. Donkeys eat anything. Like pigs, if you left a dead body with donkeys, they would find and manage a way to eat the dead body. What made sacrifices clean was their blood. You should start shouting right now if you know about the resurrection Christ. What makes donkeys and lambs different is their blood. God says you need to make a sacrifice to me, but the animal has to be set apart. It has to be clean. It has to be holy and domesticated. You and I are the donkey. We will eat anything. We believe that all the news outlets that we're watching is the truth. We believe that Facebook and Instagram is the truth. So let somebody that you like unfriend you today. You'll lose it. Oh, God. Stacy unfriended me. Like, that's the truth. We live in the wild. We did a whole sermon series on it. We live our lives in sin. We do whatever we want, whenever we want to do it, however long we want to do it. So God could not send a donkey to die for you because its blood was unclean. I'm already preaching. So if you're waiting for me to go, it's not happening. This is not that type of church. But the lamb, on the other hand, because what it eats is monitored, because the lamb has a shepherd, it's led where it has to go. The donkey tastes like where it came from, the desert eating rocks, and its blood is dirty because of the fact that it's just living a life, somebody say, that's out there. But the lamb is within parameters. It has a shepherd that makes the decision for it. It's, it's clean. So in order to redeem, somebody say redeem. In order to redeem the donkey, which is us, God had to send his son who was the lamb of God. I'm trying to make this as practical as possible. It's a privilege that we get to worship God because God loved his worship from us so much that he sent his son. The difference between us and Jesus is his blood. It's the difference. Jesus did no stress. Jesus didn't eat everything. Jesus wasn't around everybody. He was around them, but he was all God, which means that he couldn't be impressionable upon. Like that means that gossip didn't like bend his ear. And church people were the worst. You're going to do it when you go home over whatever you're eating. Just don't care. Like, I don't gossip. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. We all do. Did you see what she was wearing? See, he told you. And y'all going to do it at the table. You're going to be like, did you see? Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Somebody say Jesus' blood was different. Donkeys are unclean animals because they deal with suffering. Lambs are clean because of the fact that their blood is different. The difference between domesticated and undomesticated is what they eat, their genetics, and their environment. The part that Jesus died for in us was the part that God breathed in us in Genesis. This is going to pass away, right? Like, we're all going to die. And I know that everybody's like, I'm not going to die. I hope that you figure that out before it comes. <laughs> all of this, I can't take this jacket with me. The only thing that will go back to God is the part that he breathed in. And that's the part that Jesus died for. Jesus didn't die for your house or your money. He didn't die for your sins. Your sins was a byproduct. Jesus died for your soul. Okay, I really want to make this clear so you can love God and be dealing with sin at the same time. 
You can't be a sinner and love God, but like you can be dealing with sin and loving God at the same time. Like you can be dealing with your pride and love God at the same time. You can be dealing with like fornication and love God at the same time. You can be dealing with being a liar, deal with being a fornicator, deal with being rude, dealing with being prideful and still love God at the same time. What the world wants you to think is that you have to clean yourself up to come to God in order to get saved. But here's the thing. God didn't send his son after you cleaned yourself up. He sent his son before you even knew about the option for his blood to wash you over. So it's not a guilt trip. Some of you are going to leave here and you're going to drink a spot of wine and whatever. Like, you're going to do what you want to do. You're going to take the, you know, on Thanksgiving, that cousin walk. Hey, bro, let's go walk. We know what y'all going to do, bro. Because y'all be mad hungry when you come back to the crib. Hey, Granny, cut that pie open yet, bro? <laughs> Every time I wanted to go walk, they say, no. Can I go walk? Oh, no, no, no. I want to go too. I thought they were walking. All right, now this side is slow. I'm going to come over here. Hear me and hear me clear. Jesus didn't die for your sins. He died for your soul. So Pastor Joshua is saying that sins don't matter. No, 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 sin, sin, sin is, is a problem. But God's bigger than sin. I say that when they, when they whipped him, that it took flesh with him. And they, when they hit him, it got stuck, and he ripped it out. You think he did that for sin? I said they put crown of thorns they didn't place it on his head they hammered that thing into his brain said that it pierced his skull you think he did that because you have an addiction to pornography that's it for god loves hated pornography so much he said no no no. god sent jesus because the only thing that he needs back from you is the only thing that he breathed in you which is himself because of I'm sorry. I feel the presence of God. Because of what God did for you by sending Jesus, now we have the opportunity to be holy again. Therefore, some of you are going to make a decision today that's actually going to be the first time that you've actually worshiped correctly. Because now when you give your heart to Christ, you're worshiping God for what Jesus did on the cross for your soul, not your sin. Is this making sense? Is this making it plain? Let me end this thing so y'all can get home. Jesus used what was unclean as a vehicle to redeem you. Let me, let me, let me break this down for you. Write this point down. What was permanent became our platform. The foundation of all worship is based on the initial love God had for man. The issue that they didn't understand is that once they put Jesus in the tomb, once they put him in the earth, he became the foundation for every altar that was ever built. Jesus had to die because worship, the altar of worship, can't be built on rocks. It can't be built on wood. It can't be built on how good we are. The only foundation that your altar should be built on is on Jesus' sacrifice. Anything else wouldn't work. Somebody say it's not occasion. Y'all going to be saying that all week. Your son's going to be like, it's not occasion. Mark 11, 1 through 3. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead, got into that village, go into that village over there, he said. Uh, he told them. Read this with me, please. And it says, as soon as you enter it, you will see a young, unclean, undomesticated, unholy animal tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Palm Sunday, uh, I'm sorry, Palm Sunday was last, was last week. It says that Jesus rode a donkey and, you know, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, right? Like they had palms and like, oh my God, like Hosanna, Hosanna, right? Cool. But the funny thing is that Jesus decided to ride a donkey. Why didn't he ride a horse? Pastor Martin told me that um, kings used to ride mules, which is a breed between horse and donkey, and it's like, it's really, really strong. But why did Jesus decide to ride a mule? Maybe it was to symbolize that what was unclean, what was broken and bleeding, what smells bad, 
what you think should not be touched. Remember, the donkey was unwritten because if it's domesticated, if it's unholy, the Jews didn't touch it. But Jesus says, I'm so bad. What you say is untouchable. What you say is dirty. What you say is filthy. What you say is unsalvageable. I'm not only going to redeem it, but I'm going to use it as the vehicle to take me from where I am to free the donkey. God was so tough that he rode your addiction to the cross. God was so tough. He rolled your time, that calendar. You're supposed to be married by 25, have all your kids by 36. Then you're supposed to be living to the 17,000 square foot and you're 40 and you, you're not married and you don't have any kids and nobody's barking up your tree. Like, guess what? God died for your time and your schedule. God carried your lifestyle. If you're, if you're struggling with same-sex addiction... Or same-sex attraction, if you're, if you're struggling with, with worshiping crystals, if you're, if you're struggling with alcoholism, all of that, God wrote it to the cross. And when he got to the cross, he didn't kill the donkey. He redeemed the donkey by slaughtering the lamb, which was his son. God does not sacrifice people. There are four wars, wars going on right now. Saudi Arabia, Sri Lanka, Sudan, and Palestine and Israel, which is the same country. They're the same people. The same people. If you read your Bible, the Palestinians and the Israelites are the same people. These wars are happening right now because people think that they can kill people in the name of God. And it's not biblical. The crusades were wrong to kill people in the name of God, to abort a baby in the name of, no, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Yes, there are things that happen when you have to abort a baby. I, I don't understand that because that's not my life story. And there's grace and mercy for it. But if it was God's choice, they would have the opportunity to live. God loved you so much that he sent his son to ride your sin to the cross. And then when he died, he took your life, cleaned it up, straightened it out, and gave it back to you in hopes that you would give it back to him in return. I'm trying to make this as easy as possible. I'm trying to make this as practical as possible. The reason why you give your life to Christ isn't to live in freedom on earth. Like, that's a, that's a benefit. The reason why you give your heart to Christ is to ultimately give it back to him in worship. The point of resurrection isn't Jesus dying on the cross. The cross is irrelevant without Jesus' blood. That's the reason why when you walk through this building, you don't see crosses. Because they're not holy. It's a piece of wood. We don't celebrate the electric chair. You don't see fish, you don't see a hook in the bottom of like, like, like the Platte River where they go, oh, mighty holy hook. You don't see deer that took a 12 gauge and put it up on a tree and say, ah, ba, ba, cha, ba, ba, say, kid. If you have seen that, I don't know what strain you're smoking, but you need to stop. We don't worship where the sacrifice take happened. There's nothing special about Calvary. Jesus could have died in the back alley, but he decided to die at the highest point where everybody could see him. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't scared. He gave his life for you naked, bleeding, with pieces of his beard ripped out. The word of God says that his mother didn't even recognize him. And he did it all so everybody could see. The first altar and the first sacrifice to ever be received from God that was holy was Jesus Christ. So Jason, if he died in front of people, arms stretched out wide, 
I don't know if you guys have seen the movie. It says that his arms were not as long as the wood, so they had to dislocate his arm just to get it over there, right? Like, they got to pull it out of socket to put it there. How dare myself worship God timid? How dare I worship God and be worried about what you see me do? If you were up on that cross, all of us would have went to hell. If you would have, you wouldn't have done it. I know you wouldn't have. I know you wouldn't have either. You wouldn't have either. You, I want one person to raise their hand that would have died for the sin of humanity. Go ahead. Raise your hand. Nobody. So that means that every time, AWC, I'm going to speak to you now as your pastor. Every time that these doors are open, service at AWC starts at 10 o'clock, not 1045. I want you to hear me and hear me well. If the doors of this church start at 10, if they open at 10 o'clock, you need to be prepared in your seat, already worshiping God in your house, leaving at 930. Yeah. It's not for everybody. I don't care. I don't care who it's not for. I only care for who it's for. Because God will cause AWC to grow even if only five people make the decision to worship him. Yeah. Numbers don't matter here. I don't care about no 5,000 5, seater with fake Christians that don't know how to worship God. This worship team prepares not by singing, but their heart posture has to be right. We're looking for people in this city that are black, white, green, chicken noodle soup, Spanish, that are coming to help us build an altar for God, not showcase your voice. We don't care how good you can play. We'll go another 10 years without a basis, Hassan, if it means that that person's heart isn't right, because we're building an altar for God Almighty. Look at your neighbor and say, your worship matters. So today is significant. And some of you might be looking at me like, man, he's going hard. You got to go hard for something. Like you can't live your whole life just being, eh, I don't care. Like you got to go hard for something. Even if it's wrong, go hard. Like the world is flat. They be going crazy and that's not even true. But I got to give it to them because they're all hot or all cold, right? This is what I want from you. Strike that, reverse it. This is what God wants from you today. I think he really wants you to appreciate the gift that he gave you. Because the first level of worship is thanksgiving. There are seven levels in worship. And we don't hear, say, or play anything until level number six. The first level is thanksgiving. So this is what I'd like for you to do on this Resurrection Sunday. I want you to think about what God saved you from. Don't get religious. Don't get weird. Think about it. Some of you... We're knee deep in a bottle of pills and you should have overdosed, but God, think about that. Your marriage should be over today. You cheated, she should have taken you back, but God. Yeah, yeah, think, think about it right there where you are. Some of you, your response now should be in response to what he did for you. Begin to respond, go for it. Don't worry about the person on your left or your right because they cannot die for you. We will no longer ever, ever be a church that's embarrassed to worship God. Think about it. What did he do? You were supposed to be in a whole car accident. It totaled your whole car. You went, to an, you went into a surgery that they said only had a 35% chance of working. But God, you had cancer in your body and you're healed. They, the doctor didn't know what to do. But God, come on. Come on, church. Come on, those of you that are watching online. I don't care if you're serving. Drop what you're doing. I don't care about sound. I don't care about no camera. Think, thank him. God. You used to be addicted to a whole phone, to a whole computer screen. A website used to rule your life, sir. But God, come on, right there. Come on, come on. Thank him, God. If, if it wasn't for you, I don't know. I don't know where I would be. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. Come on, come on, come on. If this is weird to you, this sermon isn't for you. But if you know what God has brought you through, you should stand on your feet right now. If you knew the story of what God brought me through, it would make sense why I scream in worship. It would make sense of why I cry in worship. It would make sense to you of why, like, I, I, can't, I can't be with you. I'm in my prayer closet. Worship God from what he took you out of. This is worship, AWC. Go for it. We don't need no music. Go for it. Musicians, y'all should do it too. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. We haven't even got to thanking God for his son yet. Just thank him for what he did for you. Thank you. If you think long enough, you should find one thing. Some of you should have been aborted. 
but God. Some of you, your family shouldn't have made it from the country that they were fleeing because they were refugees, but God. Somebody scream, but God. This is the meaning of resurrection. It's not about your sin. It's not about you. It's about him. Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The sanctified folk would say that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. After Jesus died on the cross, the only sacrifice that he wanted to receive is you. AWC, in these next couple of weeks, we're going to take this same spirit from resurrection into every week. And if I promise, I promise, if you begin to worship God from what he brought you through, everything in your life will work out. Everything will work. And you want to know how I know? Everything in your life will work out because God gave you everything. He didn't, give, he didn't wait to have six sons. He gave you his first and his only As I was praying this week with our pastors, Pastor Martin reminded me of all these different types of Easter's that AWC has had where people came and gave their hearts to Christ. And for us, I mean, giving your heart to Christ is awesome. It's the best decision you're gonna make today for any of you that make that decision. But to give your heart to Christ and then to make the decision to walk out that walk by yourself is scary. To give your heart to Christ and then to commit to give your life to the church is also scary. But I know that there are two types of people. Everybody hold up two fingers. There are two types of people in this room. Would you put your hand down? When you, I say who you are, I want you to lift your hand. There are people in this room that are over-churched. You're tired of church. You're tired of pastors. You don't trust the organization. You only showed up today because you're a cheater. Christmas, Easter, Mother's Day. I got to show up on those days. My mama going to go crazy. But you grew up in the church and... You heard a sermon about prosperity and you lived in poverty. So like, you're like, God doesn't exist. Overchurched. Okay. And there's this other half that are unchurched. You don't know church. You don't know God. And I believe the AWC were called to both. To represent a gospel to the lost and the found, but represent a gospel to those that say that they know God and those that say that they don't. This is what you are responding to today. Go ahead and play. This altar call is for you to give your heart to Christ. But after we do this altar call, you have an opportunity to join a family that was built for the broken, built for the bleeding, built for those that are suffering. But if you walk with us for the next couple of weeks after you give your heart to Christ, you'll learn how to worship God in a way where regardless of what you're in the middle of, you'll know how to worship him. Now, usually this is the part where the music goes crazy and there's lights and all that other stuff, but I think that you need to be seen by your peers today. If there's anybody in the room, I prayed God, I prayed uh, this week for 20 people that would not just give their heart to Christ, but that would join what we're doing here so that we can walk with you. I want you to move now if you want to respond. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hey, AWC, y'all know what to do. Go crazy. Come on. I see you, bro. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you, sir. We're going to wait right here. We're going to wait right here. Don't leave today thinking that you can wait another 365 days for the next resurrection. You need AWC. The only reason why I can say you need it is because I know I need it. If I wasn't leading this church, you better believe I'd be serving. Well, I've been serving my entire life, but I would find somewhere where I could give my life to because it's community. 
So really quick, one more time. If you'd like to rededicate your life to the Lord, you've known God, you're overchurched, but now because of this sermon and what you've heard, you want to get things right. I want to give you an opportunity. Meet me. Come on. Come on. See you. Go crazy, AWC. Yeah. Yeah. We see you. Yeah. We see you. Hey, you clean, dog. Um, could our uh, altar ministry please come up? This is what's going to happen. We're going to pray a prayer and you're going to give your heart to Christ and it's going to be the best decision you've ever made in your life. Or again, the best decision you've made again. But listen, you being saved from sin is this small compared to the life that God wants you to live afterwards. Once we get done today, you're going to be able to follow some folks into a space where they're going to minister to you. And we're gonna give you some resources that if you make the decision to lean into them, I promise you they'll change your life. And you wanna know how I know? How many of you guys lean into the resources that AWC in your life has changed? Look, 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 look. After today, you need to join a small group. <laughs> you, you, you need, you need to, to watch this as much as possible, but you need to somebody scream, get connected! You don't want to walk alone. Let's do it. Lift your hands. Father God, we thank you for every single person that has responded, not to my words, but to what your voice is saying through the sermon. And God, right now, we ask that you would cover them again with your blood. Right there where you are. Begin to open up your mouth. Cover them with your blood, God. Come, cover them with your blood. Come on. If you're saved, you should be praying for these folks. Come on. In Jesus' name, that you would be covered from the top of your head to the soles of your feet that anything and everything that you do now, from now until the end of time, that it will work, that you would be covered in Jesus' name. Everything that you touch will turn, I need y'all to go to spiritual warfare just for a second. Everything you touch will turn to gold. Everywhere that you go will be covered. That every single angel in heaven will be watching over you and every single demon in hell will run in the opposite direction. Here it is. Repeat after me, Father God. Today, I acknowledge that you're holy. Because you're holy, I shouldn't be able to worship you. But you fixed that by sending your son, Jesus. Since Jesus died, I receive what he did at the cross. Every person in the room, physically, spiritually, receive it. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you sent your son to do. I receive it. I receive what he did at the cross. Repeat after me, Father God, because I have received it, today I am saved. I am restored, I am different, I am holy. I receive this gift as a privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Hallelujah! We're going to celebrate out of here, y'all, because I don't know about you, but resurrection is supposed to be a party. I want you to look at these folks up here and say, hey, cuz. Say, hey, auntie. This is your new family. Can you receive them really quick? Congratulations, everyone. Directly after this, for those of you that are watching, there should be a QR code on the board. We want you to take a snap photo of it. We want to know more about you, but we also want you to know more about us. Did anybody have fun this morning? Anybody happy you came to AWC this morning? Come on, let me release you. Father God, we thank you so much for everything that you're doing in our lives. God, we mostly thank you for sending your son, not to die for our sin, but to die for our soul. Because of that, God, you are resurrecting each and every one of us. God, protect your people as they go from this place and as they come back to this place. In Jesus' name, everybody said.